0: The constant allusion to sexual sin drives me nuts because I think, I think I'm just done with them seeing people's failures, not their potential. On repeat are just the same attitudes, the same perspectives, and I'm not hearing much of a real difference um, between the talk someone gives now and the talk someone gave five years ago, to be honest. And we're at this age now where we have people on the internet who are able to really articulate well form complete thoughts um, and share those with people. And and because of the quality of these thoughts and these discourses and discussions and the complete narratives that people are able to create, they're able to generate demand for their own opinions. Whereas in church, the demand for their opinions relies upon the pressure that's put upon them by more senior leaders and upon their own relationship with God, which is often based on how they perceive these senior leaders. So their motivation oftentimes is actually motivated by those two things, pleasing other church leaders and with their relationship with God pressured by being accountable to God for the people over which they preside. I think that their idea of repentance centers around loyalty, which I will agree that loyalty is a huge part of believing in God. But the loyalty is actually where the shame originates as well. So you have a a drawback with it. And you can learn from other cultures where loyalty is high. Where loyalty is high, shame is high. And where shame is high, addiction might be high. Take the Japanese culture of World War II, or any communist culture for that matter, and you will find that loyalty and shame are both very high. And so church leaders' loyalty is solely based upon their ability to identify sin in the world and then and then oppose it and then tell other people to oppose it as well that's often many leaders only motivation instead of trying to obtain a better perspective even though a better perspective is actually in my opinion true loyalty because i believe changing your mind body spirit and breath and receiving a godlike perspective is real repentance. And so you are doing what God tells you to do and being loyal by being obedient to that. I love when I hear a new perspective uh, from church leaders or anyone in an attitude and a manner of things that is new um, and different and most importantly, enlightening. And oftentimes that only comes through. Uh, ethnic perspectives, perspectives from people around the world, which I'm really grateful that they are doing that more because then that gives us a more complete picture of how God actually sees his children, because it's not just this one way that people in Utah live and that's it. That's how God acts. No, there's people in other cultures, people that believe in God, they will have similar um, mannerisms, believing in the same gospel in the same church, but People will have, people from all over the world have such, such different perspectives. And that's why we need those p- perspectives more in church, because that will help fill in the gaps of what we actually know about Heavenly Father. And that, of course, is why the Book of Mormon exists, because it's another one of those additional perspectives uh, from the South and Central and pre Columbian North America. I mean, why else would he have a bunch of colonials reading about ancient Native Americans? To increase their perspective, not to narrow it down to one single-minded way of living, but showing that all over the globe can unite, at least through the saving ordinances of God. There's more to repentance than just obedience. Obedience is the very beginning. And again, that makes sense when you consider that repentance is part of the preparatory gospel, the gospel before you receive Jesus's higher law. Which higher laws include loving your enemies and the higher priesthoods, you know, sealing families together. That that's a whole nother level of love you learn after you repent. Cause you can't reach that level of understanding without making the sacrifice to understand it. But that understanding of love is what's missing because the a lot of these talks will try to point out acts of disobedience, and then they try to craft some kind of solution to guide you back to obedience. That's where a lot of weird connections start happening because they care more about getting you to do something than about thinking or seeing something clearly. And the real point of obedience is actually to see life clearly and to remove the bias of any negative influence. See, because if you see life clearly, you'll make better choices because you can see, spiritually speaking. Or you become a receptacle of God being able to make better choices through you. Either of which leads to understanding the higher laws of love. So any talk you see is you're only seeing how clearly a person sees this world and how well they understand love. Agency is important because it means that what they share is going to have influence on someone and their decision-making process. And even if you if, if you compel someone to do something or you you kind of right, invite them to do something, or as often as said you are admonished by them, that's still only influence. President Nelson is really good at admonishing in a way that leaves you motivated, mostly because he knows what to ask people to do and how much capacity they truly have to do it. He doesn't feel ignorant. Um, because he includes his knowledge and his perspective and he goes a little deeper so you don't feel like it's, you know, you're just being pushed to do something. In fact, he perfectly exemplifies being persuasive and maintaining his priesthood power by persuasiveness. One thing that President Ellison does is he tries to get people to think and he does that by digging into the history of words, he uses a lot of etymology and, and, and uncovering the source of things. Um, in order to better educate people. Meta noeo is the Greek word for repent, which meta means change and noeo is related to words that mean mind, body, spirit, and breath. President Nelson shared that. And to me, that's been a very keen observation because what it means is that if you're really truly repenting, you should be changing your mind, having different thoughts. You should be changing your perspective of things. So so, So here's the thing. The light of Christ is the light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world, according to John 1.9. As missionaries, missionaries are taught that the light of Christ is what leads individuals to the gospel of Jesus Christ. President Boyd K. Packer said that the light of Christ is just what the words imply, enlightenment, knowledge, and an uplifting, ennobling, persevering influence, which of course comes from Christ. So in our church, we believe that the light of Christ is a person's conscience. In gospel topics, it says that conscience is a manifestation of the light of Christ enabling us to judge good from evil. If we are thinking consciously, if we are, I guess, acting consciously, right? Um, that means that the light of Christ is very active in us. In Alma 32, Alma teaches that to know if, quote, a seed is good, uh, then you'll know it's good because your understanding doth begin to be enlightened and your mind doth begin to expand. Oh, then it's not this real. I say unto you, yea, because it is light and whatsoever is light is good because it is discernible. Therefore ye must know that it is good. If someone's giving a talk and they're saying the exact same thing they've said before with the exact same perspective, with the exact same feeling and oftentimes it feels kind of condemning to be honest, um, then, then there is no repentance. There is no change and there is no change of mind or spirit or there, there, there is no change going on. When you change your thinking, that also means that your perspective widens, it expands. Um, and in terms of light, that's what light is supposed to do is it's supposed to expand your perspective. It's supposed to expand your mind, resulting in greater consciousness, which is the light of Christ in you, resulting in greater awareness, If I'm hearing the same thing repeated again and again, maybe a slight different order with maybe a new little story here or there, um, that's not exactly expanding my mind. Thank you. It's actually a form of laziness. And the repetition makes church members feel stupider and like they weren't doing the thing that they were asked to do the last time, actually. Which is funny because then that can cause shame, which can actually cause you to go back into habits you once got out of. So that's why I'm suggesting there's a lack of innovation in conference talks as of late and and the lack of light that does not exclude the instances, however, where there is. And and, and, And that's concerning, especially if we believe in modern revelation, because that also means that modern revelation is not expanding as much as it could. Things are still being revealed. It's just people won't be able to understand them when they're revealed. So maybe God's counting on the surprise factor a talk that I was listening to today, uh, one thing that one pattern that I've noticed that I think church leaders do a lot is they'll talk about the world. And I have a thing about the world where when they talk about quote, the world, it makes it sound like they're fighting against everybody except their own church members. As a missionary minded church, that doesn't make any sense, right? We, you know, How are we going to reach out to people if we're constantly condemning them, right? I'm writing a book where I talk about this. I, what I did was I thought about the word of the world and how it's used in church, which is to create a group of people that is not a part of our church that participates in certain activities that are definitely degrading and not the best and are oftentimes evil. Uh, and then, but kind of putting everybody that's not in church, that's kind of just out there in that category. What this perspective has done to me is now when I see different jobs out in this world and different people working, I immediately categorize them of the world because of what they're focusing on. They're contributing to the economy, but they're not directly focusing on Christ. But that doesn't mean these people are not of Christ, but that's what it feels like is encouraged by this perspective to believe. And if that's true, where's the Christ economy? I feel that our church talks a whole lot of defense and there's rarely any offense. And the only offense really just sounds like defense. You know, well, strengthen your opposition against the world and strengthen and and make Jesus your rock. Like, that's great. But what the heck does that mean? You know, like, what are we going to do about it besides scripture study? okay? so we got a BYU TV network, family friendly, and therefore it combats, quote, the world. But unfortunately, the shows are mediocre. And the best shows on there aren't even produced by our church. My favorite, of course, is Highway to Heaven with Michael Landon. But the answers to the cultural problems are still underfunded and underdeveloped. And most of the real answers now are coming from other churches, such as with The Chosen and uh, an evangelical director and a Catholic person playing Jesus in, in, in quite a fantastic portrayal. Fantastic because it portrays Jesus with human nuance, which combats that perfectionism and that shame. If they had that rock solid anti world perspective when they approved the chosen shooting on the church's set, they would have not had anyone who was not a member or didn't have a temple recommend to be on the set because that's their rule to combat worldliness. But you see what happens when they get rid of that perspective for a second and see people as they really are. You end up with a genuine Jesus show. Maybe once you stop being a Pharisee, you start to see Christ. But in the meantime, these talks phrase the world like, quote, You have very different standards from the world to help you avoid the stain of the world. Seeking with all our heart to know and love the Savior, we separate ourselves from the world through covenants with God. I mean, that's Pharisaical right there. And that's from Elder Neil O. Anderson this past conference in October 2022. That's nearly verbatim the Pharisees' mindset, especially when Jesus ate and sat with sinners. Mark 2:16 through 17 says, And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eat with publicans and sinners, they said unto his disciples, How is it that he eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he saith unto them, They that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus, how dare you not separate yourself from these worldly people? Oh, you must be stained by them. I hope you know God. The purpose of covenants is not to separate ourselves from the world. It's to wash us clean, establish our power source, and to then go back into the world with power to change it. This isn't just the world, it's God's world. And look at all this power God's given us to be able to change it. How dare we keep that to ourselves? So when they say, I want you to separate yourself from the world, I'm like, okay. Let's see. What does that mean? So do you want me to, you know, go to the store and uh, be against uh, buying any magazines because they're they're all just not church magazines, you know? You know, because it's of the world. Home improvement? No, thanks. Worldly. I actually happen to love home improvement though. What is the world? Should I just boycott industries since they're all of the world except for food because I survive on that. You know, it's like, it kind of seems like the best way that they could defend themselves against the world is if they could create their own little world all to themselves with every little amenity, which is what they've tried to make Utah. They've got church buildings. They've got a university. They've got temples. They've got their own TV network. They've got BYU TV and they've got pools. What more could you need? But no bikinis. No bikinis. They should sell The church would sell anti-bikini sunglasses. Instead of lenses, you'd have a block of cardboard with two little slits to minimize bikini eye contact. Yes, they'd make a fortune. And then they'd invest it in their own first presidency-approved swim line. It'd be called Daughters of Zion. Swimwear to cover your garments so you're protected from the devil every time you dive into the deep end. And that's not metaphorical, that's literal. And then they have a men's swimmer line called Called to Swim. All modest swimwear. Yep. And then they'll have a LDS magazine. Modest swimwear edition. See, because we have to replace everything that's already in the world with our own version. That's why Utah does so many parodies and covers of songs because they're just doing the gospel version of it. They're importing it into the kingdom of heaven and tweaking it. I mean, I would know. I turned an Adele song into a parody of... Missionaries knocking on someone's door and saying hello, but I'm waiting for some originals to come from members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints that are on par with quote this world. I mean, we should be making like out-of-this-world music, right? So I'm creating my own solution to the quote worldliness. It's my fashion brand. It's called God Fashion. There, it's fashion that is completely focused on Christ and doesn't look like my fifth cousin of a polygamist family designed it. If you type in on a browser, god.fashion, that's the actual URL. Fancy, right? All worldliness is, right, which I'm going to talk about later, is just a lack of truth. But you can have materialism and truth together because materials make up truth. You couldn't hear what I said unless materials were made for it to be delivered to you, so there. You see, my friends, we have the rights to believe we have the power within us to bring to pass many good things and innovations through the gifts God has given us. But no, conference after conference, leaders just tell us to repent. That's it. That's it. Isn't there more to life than just repentance? Or is repentance all there is? According to Doctrine and Covenants section 84, uh, verses 26 and 27, apparently the gospel of repentance and baptism and the remission of sins is actually that's the that's the lesser priesthood. So it says, "Then the lesser priesthood continued after uh, God took Moses out of the midst of the people who reverted to idols, and God took away the holy priesthood from those people too." Uh, And then the lesser priesthood continued, which priesthood holdeth the keys of the ministering of angels in the preparatory gospel, which gospel is the gospel of repentance and of baptism and the remission of sins and the law of carnal commandments, which the Lord in his wrath caused to continue with the house of Aaron among the children of Israel until John, whom God raised up being filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb. So anytime they talk about repentance and baptism and the remission of sins, that's the preparatory gospel. That's the law of moses Sarah. commandment for the very basic, for the people who could not understand spiritual things. So we got to make that distinction. That's not yet the higher law. Yet we hear all the time repentance and baptism and all these things, which means that if you're talking about those things, then your audience is an audience that has no idea what church is. That can kind of cause you to think that you're not living the higher law if you're hearing that. So that message is really for, quote, the world who they bash and say they are of the devil. So thanks for listening to the In Search of Truth podcast with Marcus Joseph. In the next episode, I will talk about the CES letter and more fun anti-LDS stuff. Stay tuned.